Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Have a seat. Thank you so much. Welcome. Welcome, one and all, to The Late Show. I'm your host, Stephen Colbert. Uh, First of all, happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day, everybody. Always worth celebrating. And and in honor, I thought I'd kick off the show tonight with a lesser-known fun fact from this great man's life. Did you know that? And this is true. Although we now regard MLK as one of the greatest orators of our time, he actually received two C's in public speaking. (laughs) That is a really tough teacher. (laughs) No one wants to hear the details of a dream, Martin. Also, have you actually been to a mountaintop? (laughs) Write what you know. Yesterday, President Biden celebrated MLK's legacy from Dr. King's own pulpit at Ebenezer Baptist Church. I say this with all sincerity. I stand here humbled, being the first sitting president of the United States to have an opportunity to speak at Ebenezer Sunday service. You've been around for 136 years. I know I look like it, but I haven't. I mean, look at this face. Look. I know I look like it. Look at this face. It's like an old catcher's mitt. I mean, white does crack, Jack. I look like... Look like somebody's unwrapped a mummy. Don't ask what it was wrapped in. It was classified documents. Oops, I've said too much. (laughs) Amen. Play ball! Now... Biden continued honoring the Reverend this morning at a prayer breakfast where he learned it was the birthday of MLK's daughter-in-law, Andrea Waters King, although it seems like he was missing one small detail. Well, look, my wife has a rule in her family. When somebody's birthday, sing happy birthday. You ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Valley. Happy birthday to you. (laughs) Wow. Okay, now, people, people are accusing him. <laughs> yes, people are accusing him of forgetting her name. That's not fair. He clearly never knew her name. <laughs> or maybe they're just such good friends that he's calling her by her nickname, Lurler. <laughs> What's up, Lurler? Lurler. Lurler. Thank you. Unfortunately for President Joe, his classified document saga continues. On Saturday, it was reported that Biden's aides found five additional pages of classified material at his personal residence in Delaware. Oh, my God! This just won't end. Joe's making me do something I swore I would never do. Care about what happens in Delaware. (laughs) It's getting... It's getting... Snap that in. How's it going? Anyone from Delaware? 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 
It's getting hard to keep all these documents straight, so let me lay it out. This newly discovered stack of five pages is actually part of the same stash we learned about last week, but apparently Biden's lawyers had stopped searching the property because they didn't have security clearance. So a White House lawyer who did have clearance arrived Thursday and found five additional documents with classified markings. Okay, Biden team, how about before you make any announcements, you wait until the whole search is finished? (laughs) Hey, great news. We found uh, only one raccoon living inside your wall. She's lactating up a storm, but I'm sure that doesn't mean anything. (laughs) Why has... That's a disturbing image. Uh, Lactating raccoon. Now, why has stuff been coming out in dribs and drabs? Well, after the first documents were found, the Biden team volunteered to do additional searches, but moved more slowly than law enforcement expected. How fast do you expect an 80-year-old man to move? (laughs) Okay, what are you guys looking for? The documents? I got some boxes down in the old guest room. Come on, let's go down. Let's go get them. Come on, let's go on. Boy, that... Gotta say, that picture looks a little crooked on the wall, doesn't it? Is that, uh... Does that look level to you guys? Does that look level? <laughs> I got a level in the garage. Let me go get that. <laughs> All right, the boxes, the boxes. Hold on, I got the boxes. I got the boxes. What's going on with this? What's going on? Scene. This might not even be the end, because sources say there are multiple additional spots that could be searched, and it's possible additional documents could still be found. Well, if this goes on until the spring, they can kill two birds and combine the search with the White House Easter egg hunt. <laughs> this document story... This do- How early is Easter this year? Is it early or late? No way of knowing. This document story is playing right into the Republicans' hands. Now the House GOP is demanding two years of visitor logs from President Biden's Delaware home. They're going to learn about all of Biden's regular visitors. Ben, Jerry, <laughs> Baskin... Robbins, <laughs> Ambassador Hagen, Admiral Dawes, and most scandalous of all, a solo visit from Mrs. Softy. Yes. Mrs. Mrs. Softy. Yeah. They split up. They split up. She left Mr. Softy for obvious reasons. Wow. One little... Wow. I know, I know. Wow. Goodbye, childhood. One little problem with the Republicans' request for who came and went from the Delaware home, the White House says no visitor logs exist for President Biden's private residence. Oh, they don't exist? Or do they exist on Hunter Biden's laptop? Give me a little closer. Snap a little closer. More dramatic. Of course, President Biden should not have had these materials at home, and I'm sure House Republicans have honest concerns about our nation's classified documents, right? One of those Republicans? At the end of the day, my biggest concern isn't the classified documents, to be honest with you. My concern is how there's such a discrepancy in how former President Trump was treated by raiding Mar-a-Lago, by getting the security cameras, by taking pictures of documents on on the floor, by going through Melania's closet versus Joe Biden. Yes, there is such a discrepancy. Joe Biden's own lawyers are the ones who found his documents, then immediately turned them into the National Archives. The other guy hid the documents, then his lawyers lied, obstructed, or in Rudy's case, fell asleep outside the M&M store in a kiddie pool full of Carlo Rossi. (laughs) There's more news. I like that 
Deputy Dog, Deputy Dog, Muskrat singing on the Pink Mud. There's more news about New York congressmen and that one fifth. Not his core base. <laughs> New York congressman and that one fifth grader who carries a briefcase, George Santos. Since he was elected, we've learned that Santos has no problem misrepresenting everything, including his own name. There are stories out there that Santos called himself by a variety of names, and now we have proof in the form of a recently surfaced video from an event in Los Angeles circa 2019. Check out what Santos uses here. My name is Anthony DeVolder. Um, I recently founded a movement called United for Trump on Facebook. And if you have any questions about it, you can DM me at the real Taylor Swift. Okay. One of the most. One of. That's that's the real Taylor Swift. One of the most serious questions facing Santos is that he loaned seven hundred and five thousand dollars to his own campaign, even though twenty twenty records indicate he only had fifty five thousand dollars. And a lot of people are asking where Santos got the money, including Florida Congressman Matt Gates. You see, on Thursday, Gates was the guest host of Steve Bannon's War Room podcast. And he asked Santos the origins of that 700K. Where did it come from? Well, I'll tell you where it didn't come from. It didn't come from China, Ukraine, or Burisma. How about that? <laughs> well, yeah, that, that, that is an answer. True. <laughs> that is an answer. Not to the question you asked, but it's an answer. The judges would also have accepted Manifest Destiny and Chlorophyll. <laughs> also answers. Those would also be answers of some form. Gates persisted, sort of. So, you know, when you uh, donated that money to your campaign, is there anything else you can say about uh, the work you did that was the origin of, of those resources? Look, I've, I've worked my entire life. I've lived an honest life. I've never been uh, accused, sued, of, of any bad doings. Really? No one's accused you of doing anything but doing bad doings. If you didn't know that, you should watch the news. Somebody get this guy a TV, or better let, just leave your door open. He'll come take it. <laughs> Santos continued. It's the equity of my hard-working self, and I, I've invested inside of me. Well, there it is. He got the money from the equity of his hard-working self that he's invested inside of him. <laughs> Did I have that right? That's about it. Yeah. I gotta say, That's it. the equity of his hardworking self is invested inside of him. For a guy that lies this much, he should really be better at it at this point. <laughs> Your Malcolm Gladwell said you need to do something for 10,000 hours to master it. Or as George Santos said, I am Malcolm Gladwell. <laughs> In, uh, in Is This Still Happening news, this weekend was the 71st annual Miss Universe competition, and Miss USA, Rabani Gabriel won it all. Keep in mind, this isn't Miss Earth. This is Miss Universe, which is why we're beaming tonight's show out to space. Alpha Centauri, in 4.36 years, you're going to learn that you're all uggos. <laughs> it was a close contest, uh, but uh, Rabani sealed the deal uh, during the costume portion of the evening when she wore this outfit, which is either moon-themed or what it looks like when a disco ball pukes. <laughs> I know, I know it looks like... <laughs> this guy. This guy. This guy. This guy. 
I know it looks like it would be hard to walk in that lunar getup, but you'd be wrong. It's actually extremely hard <laughs> to walk in it. That's one small step for woman, because one giant step would blow out her meniscus. <laughs> we got a great show for you tonight. Coming up, Hugh Jackman. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, they know. Folks, my guest tonight is a Tony, Emmy, and Grammy award-winning actor you know as Wolverine, Jean Valjean, and the Music Man. He now stars in the new movie, The Sun. Please welcome back to The Late Show, one of the greatest showmen, Hugh Jackman. Thank you. Nice to see you again. It's good to see you too. So, is this true? Is this true? For, tho- for those of you who did not get a chance to see it, I'm, I'm sorry they didn't because, as, as I said on the show uh, last year, your music man, uh, you and Sutton Foster, just one of the most joyful evenings of the theater I've ever been to in my life. Just. Thank you. Really Thank you. did Thank the you. old girl proud. Thank Actually, you. Thank you. Gave that show enormous life. It was just so fun to be at. How many performances all together? Because I talked to you right before you started. 422. Wow. 422. That's a lot. That's a lot, uh, man. And it's weirdly, it was a 40 year journey for me because I was salesman number two in 1983. Uh, and then about... On the train? F- on the train. Oh, yeah, yeah. Got yeah, out the territory. Yeah, I, I, it, it was terrible. So I'm not going to reenact it, but... Uh, it was it was so surreal yesterday and so poignant and it meant a lot. There were a lot of tears. It was a long journey because of COVID. I think we started four or five years ago in earnest and then we had the break. And then to right, come back... It was literally back, like just like COVID shut everything down like a couple of weeks before you were supposed to open. We were about to start and so all of a sudden... Then I spent COVID like three days a week dancing and dancing and singing and then just keeping things going. So it, it, it felt not just like 422 performances. It felt like a journey that was so massive and also being part of Broadway coming back. The audiences, I have to just say, the audiences, and I know some of you are here today who are there, were just incredible. And, and we got to thank them yesterday because, you know, a year ago, you remember, going to the theatre was a scary thing, and yeah. yet they still came out, they still came out, mm-hmm. and it means a lot to me. But it was a very poignant day. Well, I would like to, uh, I'd like to toast your Ooh. achievement here. So Whoa. I understand. Ooh, I, I like my this. understanding is that you are a fan <laughs> of an espresso martini. I am. Okay, so we have, Whoa, you we gonna have make the ingredients. This? I'm going to try to make this right here. This is impressive. Martini. Okay, so uh, what 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 is? Oh, is this oh, pandemic skills or is this oh, going 100 way back? Because <laughs> uh, we did the sh- we did the show from home. Right. We did the show from Completely home. Completely drunk. Uh, well, kind of, because <laughs> who's who's going to police me <laughs> while I do it? Um, my friend John oh. Stewart, shortly before COVID, gave me an espresso machine. 
And I found that the, the journey from my studio, which was our spare bedroom, to the bar, which was my kitchen, <laughs> was very short. <laughs> okay. And, and always we, open. And always open. There you go. We we'll do a little bit good, of this good. right I'll there. There you go. That. And then do you I'm do uh, regular or uh, decaf? How no, do you let's do go regular. Come on. No, come on, stay awake. I here. mean, last night, night. Deb, yep. after a year, I went home to Deb. Uh, after not being at home at night, and we finished the show at six, and I was like, babe, nine o'clock, I was asleep. And she goes, oh, no, I'm shooting. <laughs> That's okay. No, I'm, I'm pulling you a shot right now. Bit... There you go. She was like, really? After a year, you go to bed at nine. So this is terrific. If I have a little full, you give me the full bunger. Thank full, you. full bunger. There you go. Let's see what Thank happens you. here. Now, while I'm shaking this up, I love if we can. That's okay. Oh, all good. Oh, nice hands. <laughs> nice hands. There we go. Hold on, we go. There's none of it. How cold do you like it? Cold. Extra cold. Come on. All right. All right. Whoa. You got nothing on me, Tom Cruise. Yes. There you go. Would anyone else like? No, I'm kidding. There you go. That is impressive. I'll take it. There you go. Thank you so much. And then do you do this? Do you do this nonsense? What's this? What do you got? I'll look at. Whoa. Like that. Fancy. There you go. Fancy. I'll, I'll pour mine quickly. <laughs> How much is that, man? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Good to see you. Cheers, everybody. Mm. Sorry. Mm. Mm. Is it just me? Because uh, I, I saw you after you stopped doing Wolverine and mm -hmm. you got uh, human size again. Mm -hmm. Is it. <laughs> you look a little bumped up here. Are you, are you coming up a little bit? You're because... talking about. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Do you really? How are like? Are you are you like excited to be big again, or are you dreading it? Because even your, your lovely wife Deb Furness said like it was ridiculous how big he got. <laughs> are you gonna get that big again? Of course. Come on, man. It's Wolverine. How much? What do you have to bigger, do? How, much, how many like chicken carcasses are we gonna find in your green room after this? It's six thousand calories. It's about 6,000 calories do, a day. You, what are you we're supposed to do, 2,000? I think at the moment I'm building up. I'm like four and a half, five thousand 5,000 calories. I wore a heart rate monitor as Harold Hill. So uh, my trainer said, I need to know what I'm working with here because I'm trying to bulk up. So uh, I burned 1,500 calories in the show eight times a week. And she goes, oh, oh, you got to eat. So I was eating 4,500 calories a day. And yeah, as I'm Harold sorry. Hill. Yeah, and I'm sorry for the audiences in the front row. I'm sorry for my cast. I'm sorry for my wife. It was not pretty. But, uh, and now I'm just eating and training. But and what does it do to your costume designers at no. the Music Man if you're bulking up while you're playing this leggy dancer? I split my pants three times. And they were not breakaway pants. They were not breakaway pants. Yes. And one was at the beginning of 76 trombones where I jump up on the stage. It was, and it was, I'm going to explain it. It was a rip. Here. Very wow. dangerous rip, let me tell you. <laughs> and I thought, everything's going to be okay. You know, I've got the dance built on, the whole thing. But sure. in our show, we actually have children, like children, children. And right below me at the bottom of the stage is KK, lovely KK, who turned eight during the show. And I'll just never forget her face going... <laughs> and I just didn't have the heart to look down in case... In case this was that a line of defense moment. was not <laughs> what I thought. So anyway, it, it was sort of okay, but uh, yeah, she may never recover. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, KK.
I'm sorry to our parents. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm sorry. Now, let's talk about prepping uh, to be... This, this is for uh, Deadpool 3. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Ongoing beef we between like, Deadpool and Wolverine, but like, also... We like to call it Wolverine 10, if that's okay. Oh. Let's call it Wolverine 10. Were there, were there nine other Wolverines? I believe I've been in Wolver nine. Well, oh, yes. no, including cameos. I've uh, appeared nine times. Oh, okay, yeah. Yes. And Logan, of course, being the last and the greatest. Yes. Of all you. of them. Thank you. Um, yeah. Several other people feel the same way. A little slow. A handful, <laughs> a handful of people. So uh, you and Ryan Reynolds have got a little bit of ongoing beef going yeah. over the yeah. years. Oh, you you yeah. recently uh, yeah, no. you recently warned the Academy well, yeah. against something having to do with well, uh, song. Well, at the beginning of the new year, I really wanted to put out a post that was positive, but I couldn't because I found out that a song from Spirited, which is a great musical that he and Will are in, and a song written Will by Ferrell. Justin, Will yeah. Ferrell, sorry, Justin and Ben, who wrote the music for Greatest Showman, I love them, they wrote the song called Good Afternoon. Um, and singing on that song is Ryan Reynolds, and it was shortlisted for an Oscar. And I was like... <laughs> I have to be on a set for months with this man. And if he gets nominated for best song, if he gets validated in any way <laughs> as a singer, I am never going to actually get through one day, let alone three months. So, for the love of God, I know the nominations close tomorrow. Please, please. <laughs> I love Justin and Benj. I love Will Farrell. Please don't validate him. That's all I'm asking. Well, we have to take a quick break, but stick around. We'll be right back with more Hugh Jackman, everybody. <laughs> Son, Mr. Hugh Jackman. Let's talk about your beautiful performance in The Sun. This is a, uh, a, a prequel, in, in a sense, to the 2020 movie The Father, uh, Florian Zeller, mm. uh, wrote and directed. Mm. Beautiful, I, I, it was a be beautiful director. I interviewed him for that, for, for The Father. Um, you got to work with uh, the, Sir Anthony Hopkins mm -hmm. in this. I've spoken to the man once, and it changed my life. Yeah. Tell me what it was like to do scenes with him. It changed my life as an actor, and and we got on really well, and he still texts me, and every time he texts me, text I go, texting him back, like, yo, what up, you know. <laughs> How's he, it hanging, Tony? Here's what's amazing. He's 83. Sorry if nobody knows that. Sorry, Tony. Um, he's 83, and it's a great lesson for any upcoming actor. He had one day on set, and the producers apparently were freaking out because they said this scene's going to take two days, and yeah. Florian was like, don't worry, I know him, one day's enough. And he has a certain, whatever it is, 12 hours. He has to be back in the hotel after 12 hours. Now, he woke up that morning so excited at 3 in the morning that he just got in a cab, <laughs> and he came out to the set, which was on Long Island, and he arrived at 4.45 in the morning on set. There was one security guy there just to make sure no one broke into the house overnight. Yeah. And Anthony Hopkins. So, officially, he started the clock at 4.45. Now, no one turned up till 7.30. He's three hours into his day, unbeknownst to him. And, of course, everyone was freaking out. We came in to do the scene. And I'll never forget the first AD said, um, you know, would you like a rehearsal? And he just went, that won't be necessary. <laughs> 
and we just shot. Would you shot... have liked to rehearsal? I wanted, yes. I wanted to go for nine days. I wanted to keep going. Anyway, and he did that first take, and the first take, I'm sitting there, like, not far, much further from you. Yeah. Just going, this is one of the greatest days of my life. We had finished shooting his side by 9.30 in the morning. He just came in and every wow. take he did was so good. We turned around, the camera's on to me, we finished me in an hour. And then at the end of it, he goes, the scene's done. And then Anthony turned to the director and said, I just want another go. Can I have another go? And so we turned all the cameras around again. And I said to the director quietly, I said, it was so brilliant. Why do you think he wanted to go again? He said, I just think he missed acting because of the pandemic. He hadn't acted in 18 months. Sure. He said, I think he'd miss it and he wanted to have another go. And that's sure. who he is. He was... <laughs> he loves him. Uh, we have to take a break. Stick around. More Hugh Jackman in just a moment. Hugh Jackman, everybody. The, the, the story of the son fo focuses uh, in, in many ways on mental health. And you said that you were, am I right, something of a hot mess mm. making this movie. I believe mm. I'm quoting you correctly. Um, you seem like a fairly well-adjusted person. W why were you a hot mess doing this movie? Uh, so the movie, just to give people an idea, it centers around the son is uh, played by Zen McGrath, uh, Nicholas, who is a 17-year-old going through a mental health crisis. No one's really sure. I've, I've left his mother. I now have a new wife and a baby and a moved house. There's a number of factors going on, but it's unclear as to why he's gone into this dive of depression and he's really, really, really struggling, not going to school and no one knows what to do. And every scene is this terrifying fear as a parent where you don't know what to do. You don't know how to help. You're doing your best. Everything seems to not work. And I think diving into the material as a father, as an actor, and also I'm still a son. You know, my father passed away during filming. Oh. Um, and I, I think I was just confronting a lot of things as a parent, fears that you have. And I just wasn't sleeping very well. I found myself getting really thinking a lot and a lot of emotional turmoil. And I think it was just part of giving over to the part and part of, I think, giving over to the story. And I just sort of went with it. But thankfully, thank God, my wife was with me. My kids were with me. Uh, it was COVID. We were in a bubble, which was amazing for me. And they really helped get me through it. Well, I'm so sorry to hear about your father. Mm. I, you. I did not know that you passed. Mm. Um, we have, a, we have a clip from the movie. It's yeah. you and your son. Is, is there anything we need to know? Yeah, it's not long after I found out that he hasn't been going to school and he's been lying to me about it. I've really been trying to help him and feeling that we'd be making progress and all of a sudden I've realised there's been a lot of lies, a lot of deception, and I'm at my wit's end, basically, I think. Jim? Take back what you just said, Nicholas. Do you hear me? You take back what you just said now. Ass me and ass me. Haven't I always done everything for you? I stayed with your mother for years for your sake. So why are you saying this? Why? Why? Tell me why. Is it because I fell in love with another woman? Is that my crime? How is that any of your business? I have the right to reinvent my life. It's my life, you hear me? It is my life. I'm, I'm sorry, Nicholas. I, no, I don't know what just happened. I, 
As a dad, it's hard to watch that. Yeah. As a dad, it's hard to watch that. I did hug my kids, especially tight that night. I was wondering, yeah. I was wondering, oh. I can imagine playing this role and sort of being in the, the middleman as son and father at the same time. Yeah. I'm, I'm, especially after the passing of your father, did mm. it make you think differently about your job, your role as a father and your relationship oh, sure. to your family? I think I'm a different parent now uh, because of it. I, I think I'm more open to being vulnerable with them, saying things like, I'm not sure, or, you know, realising... <laughs> <laughs> realising that sometimes I may be preoccupied by something going on with me, like, like I'm preoccupied about the opening of The Music Man, for example, and then realising that they may think, oh, they've done something, and just me not communicating, because I'm thinking, oh, I don't want to burden them with that. Doesn't help, and so now I find myself saying, hey, guys, sorry if I feel distant. I'm really nervous about this thing, and... If I've gone off in my head, it's nothing to do with you. And I seem, they seem to really appreciate it. I've got a 17 and 22-year-old. And I think that idea of communicating more, not necessarily not just because you're the father, you, know, you don't have to know. You don't have to know what to do or what the best thing is. And it's uh -huh. okay to say that. And then, yeah. of course, they use that and wrap you around your little finger, you know. <laughs> As well they should. As well they should. Hugh, lovely to see you. Thanks, Thanks for, for the drink. Here. You're most welcome. The Sun opens in theaters this Friday. Hugh Jackman, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. Just one more thing. If you want to see more of me, come to The Late Show YouTube channel for more clips and exclusives. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.